Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome to a safe space radio. Also, sometimes art star scene radio. I'm Faceboy, aka Francis Hall, aka Doctor Richard Pants. With me at home, doing the tech, Calvin Williams. How's it going, everyone? And at home, first time at home on the show, Raina Terror. Hi. How are you doing, Raina? I'm doing pretty good. I'm going to start with this. Um, I was going to watch the Republican National Convention just to be informed, you know, keep your enemies closer and all that other stuff. But I decided instead to hammer my kneecaps <laughs> because it would be less painful. Hey, hey. Did I'm... either of you uh, watch any of that crap? Yeah. Yeah. You did. No, I, I watched. did I make the right decision? Yes. Yes, you did. <laughs> you definitely did. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> just lies. More lies. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't bring myself to it. I felt I felt good about it when I found out that Stephen Colbert did the same thing. He didn't bash his kneecaps in, but <laughs> he refused to watch. He was like, I, I just, you know, and that's his kind of his job. Well, not really, but kind of my job, kind of his job, but not really, not really, because I figured I could just read the low lights the next day and uh, just, you know, save myself the time, save myself the anger. There's enough to be pissed off about without watching that crap. True. What were your takeaways from it? That's definitely true. Well, I think that the first thing that intrigued me the most was how illegal it was. The Hatch Act. I was like, what? Like, you're not supposed to do any of that shit at the White House. What the fuck? So I think that intrigued me as well as being the psych major that I am. Um, when I see people doing weird, messed up shit, it's kind of like a car accident. And, you know, I want to go kind of in closer to, to analyze it, I guess. So... So seeing that, you know, seeing how, like, what was it, six out of 12 of the people that spoke were Trump family members, just all these things that, that mirror, to me at least, you know, um, dictators and, and autocrats and, and things that we're, as a democracy, not supposed to be gearing toward. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I was, you know, I'm not crazy about Biden. You know, I have said that uh, he would be a very hands-on president, and I don't mean that in a good way. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but the thing is, I feel like the difference is, uh, you know, one side seems to be playing more strategically, well, if you will, maybe not. Um, and, you know, our side, we don't have any options right now, right? Obviously, I think for most people, Biden isn't number one choice. But um, at this point, I've taken my emotions out of it, and I'm just trying to... <laughs> 
strategically and what I think will actually help us so we can just, even if it's just the tiniest bit of progress, we can make that progress, we can get out of the mess that we're in currently. Did he really actually um, brag about his handling of this pandemic? Yes. Yes. Wow. You know, the whole, that's the thing. One of their main tactics is gaslighting. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm really familiar with it because I was gaslighted for years as a teenager by my first boyfriend's mother. Um, So I have firsthand experience with it. And that's one of the reasons I went into psychology and I got my degree from Columbia because I was trying to work out what makes people do this kind of shit to other people. Um, And it was just blatant projection, gaslight. It's just like all these classic uh, psychological techniques, if you will. But, you know, I guess a a huge part of the population, unfortunately, just can't see that um, for whatever reason. They just eat it up. I'm going to eat all all this shit that he's feeding me. I'm going to eat it. Yep. Well, I like kind a, of feel like there's there's probably a correlation which the with the fact that over the past couple decades our attention spans have decreased um, and we've gotten everything so everything so at the ready um, we can have things instantly here instantly there so then you come into politics where it's not an add water instant soup kind of mix it works slowly it takes time to create policy to get it through you know all of that um, it gets frustrating. And so I think a lot of people end up just shutting down, not wanting to look further into the details of things and just accepting what they're spoon fed rather than questioning it because it's, it's easier. And people are mentally exhausted by a myriad of things at this point as well. Can you repeat that? I was on Instagram. Oh, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like exactly what's going on. That's really yeah. what's going on. You know, some, some, something important people are talking about and they don't want to hear it they'll just get on instagram and look at butts yep well that's also how propaganda works right it works you down it breaks you down over a long period of time and but my father before he passed away was veering more and more towards fox into fox news territory and so and i've always tried to watch both sides because again as a psychology major when i see something like this happening i can't help but want to like analyze it um and i've seen it slowly change over the years and it's I mean it works we're, we're animals you know like we we get conditioned and we mm-hmm. react to those conditions and they've been conditioning you know I, what I hope is a small part of the population but you know with the tactics they're using um, and how underhanded they are with things going off the post office and stuff I'm getting really nervous oh yeah oh fuck yeah yeah when they're when they're taking taking the fucking post boxes off the streets yep and interesting which neighborhoods uh-huh. they were taking them in new york bronx and harlem exactly no it's it's blatant gerrymandering um and the fact that DeJoy is even postmaster general is ridiculous like this is the thing that fox does that i observed i was visiting a, a friend and we were discussing things and her father's a republican he was watching fox news and the thing came on and it said something like, you know, he's fixing this stuff because the post uh, post office is going to go bankrupt because, you know, since 2006, they've been on their way to bankruptcy or something. So I turned to him and I said, you know, that's true. But do you know why? And he didn't because Fox News doesn't air that. And then I told him that the reason why was because uh, the GOP had done an unprecedented move to make them pay the employees pensions 75 years ahead of time, which is unheard of in any industry. 
So it, it was a purposeful move to bankrupt the post office. They've been planning this shit for years, and now they finally have someone where they can do all this underhanded stuff without having to pretend that they give a shit under the guise of religion and pro-life and all that. But when you get beliefs to surface, I feel like most of them are just you know, almost sociopathic in a way, or narcissistic at the least. And the Democratic Convention, there were some very inspiring speeches. Michelle, she was really shining. And I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to dirty up my head. Sure. I didn't want to dirty it up after that. I also and feel I, like, though, they could have done more. I'm, I'm also disappointed in them. Like, there was, like, no speaking of policy and how we're going to fix issues and how we're going to do this. And I get that the majority of that is a reaction to what's going on um, with their opponents. But it's just becoming so divisive, um, you know, whereas before it was, you know, maybe I'd vote for my opponent, maybe I won't, but once we're in office, it's bipartisan working together to get stuff done. It's now like, you know, it's like enemies. It's like, you know, no matter mm -hmm. what, uh, there's so much vitriol involved. So I kind of would have liked to see them bring up more policy and, and how they're going to do things. And I don't know. I miss, I miss when, when politics were about politics, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. But I don't think it's, you know, pointing out and hammering home what incompetence we're dealing with, what kinds of lies we're dealing with, what, you know, the fact that he is not capable of doing this job. I think it's a good strategy to, to really concentrate, you know, really hammer that home. That's true. No, I'm not saying that that was false. I just personally, I would have also liked to seen like, okay, we're here now. How are we going to go here? But, you know, it's hard to persuade people when there's so much going on. So I'm not, you know, I'm not even sure, uh, yeah, what tactics I would use exactly. But I feel like they need someone to be sitting there and thinking about them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking of what's going on, how has your life been affected by uh, what I'm calling the Trump virus? Well, um, I mean, it's been affected a lot. Uh, initially, you know, I was starring in my first rock opera at Coney Island, and everything. I know that was set down. to like open right before, like right before this start started. It was right? opening weekend. We got shut down. We got two weekends of previews in, which was amazing and it was fun. But, you know, I'm still playing around. It's like dress rehearsals, right? Like I hadn't set the way I was going to sing or the way I was going to play this part. Um, so that was I was looking forward to, you know, doing the whole run. But, yeah, then we had one dress rehearsal and the next day we were supposed to open. And then we got the order that everything was kaput. Yeah, I remember we had you on not long before your opening. I yeah, think exactly. In, probably in, maybe in February or something like that. It was March, actually. I want to say like March 13th or 15th. I think it was like early March. And then it wasn't too long after that, that people I knew started dying. Um, so my therapist died, existing conditions. He wasn't a smoker, like none of that. Um, he was sick for like, a, I think about, took him about a week to get in the hospital. And then three days after he was in the hospital, he, he died. And my neighbor passed away as well. Um, a couple other people, uh, acquaintances and, and indirect friends of friends, um, yeah, and then just, you know, going through the, the weirdness of when I was going out for groceries and essentials of walking by giant refrigerator trucks full of bodies, 
Um, and then coming home and getting on Facebook or whatever and hearing people talk about how it was a hoax and it wasn't real, that was that's frustrating. That's got to hurt. Yeah, especially when you're seeing it on the daily. You just want to, like, show them. You want to be like, I'll walk by tomorrow, I'll freaking videotape it for you. But as we see now, eventually um, people f- seem to have finally started accepting it for the most part. Well, um, So, yeah, it's, it's ha- it had a huge ripple effect um, for sure. I'm sure there's still consequences that I'm not even naming right now. But yeah, it's been pretty wild. I have, uh, I've lost a friend in this. Um, Alan Merrill, he wrote the song, I Love Rock and Roll. Uh, Great guy, great songwriter. Um, Nice, I was just kind of, everybody never seems to like to let this. this, uh, uh, didn't, Didn't have the rock star attitude. You know. Yeah, I remember seeing that on Facebook um, when Dylan posted about it. <clears throat> I think because they were working on that film together. That was really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, I get, I'm very, very angry at uh, the administration for what they didn't do. Uh, and whatever it takes to get them out. Agreed. I mean, whatever it takes. Seriously, especially because, you know, when you have when people are putting their lives on the line to be first responders and to do all that stuff and he just blatantly disregards it and doesn't even try to help. And that puts the onus on the states when that's never how federal (laughs) emergencies worked in the past. It's just yeah, that's it's really frustrating. And to see him keep changing the narrative as he goes along to fit whatever narrative he decides he wants to fit is ridiculous too it's like that's frustrating too right because you see the videotape clips of them saying the complete opposite thing and then like a week later flipping um but again i guess enough people aren't seeing it to for it to make a difference it's, oh, it's really I, frustrating. I did i did care i did follow one thing of trump's advice and i did inject myself with bleach oh. um so, you know <laughs> how'd that go well I uh, got extremely ill and almost died, uh, but I made it. You know, I'm here. <laughs> That's what Dr. counts. Dr. Richard Pants <laughs> here. Oh wait, I think you you should put on a white jacket. I'm sure you could actually probably pull it off as a doctor. I probably could on one of those YouTube things for sure. Yeah. I have no idea where that came from. Oh, I don't know. I just pulled it out of my ass because Trump was sharing the video of the doctors with the white jackets in front of the White House talking about... Uh, they probably weren't, probably weren't doctors. Yeah, no, I looked them up because a friend actually sent me the video and was believing mm-hmm. uh, it. Um, and they are actually doctors, but none of them are qualified to be talking about what they're talking about. Um, okay. One of them was a con artist, you know. I, there's a lot of issues with each one of them, but I won't get into it all. But yeah, it bullshit. So yeah, you're where? Where is it that you live? I'm in Midtown. I'm I'm a few blocks from Times Square. Uh, okay, yeah. so you were definitely seeing a lot more crazy shit than me. Uh, you actually saw. You were saying before the bodies. Truck. Tr- tr- where? What? What? What was it? Uh, yeah, the refrigerator trucks outside of the hospitals for the storage um, mm. were outside of uh, Mount Sinai West, which used to be St. Luke's Roosevelt for those 
that are still getting used to the name change. Um, that and I have other friends that work in uh, in the healthcare field as well as another friend that works down um, the coroner's office. Uh, so I was, you know, hearing a lot of different angles of what they were dealing with. And, you know, the fact that they had to do mass graves and shit, you know, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah, it is pretty wild. Uh, Calvin. Calvin has is going back and forth between us and a Zoom call with a family member who's 95 years old. How are you related to, to this person? Uh, he is uh, He is my cousin. He is, let's see. My Okay, so my grandmother's father's brother's son. So, like, this is he's a distant cousin but um that side of the family does family reunions every year and so i i know all of those family members on that side that's great that's great i read about this couple who are who just became the oldest living couple they have a combined age of 215 wow, uh, wow. yeah the guy is i think 110 and the woman is, I think, 105. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yes. That is incredible. And 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 what I was reading is, you know, that that gen that they they do a lot of family gatherings, and that's part of what what uh, they attribute to the longevity. Um, and that, but that they're both experiencing some depression right now because they can't see their family, mm. and uh, so. I think I'm I'm guessing they're doing I don't know if at 105 you're going to be doing Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a learning curve for sure for me even Jesus. And and it makes me wonder how uh, a 95-year-old was there someone that helped him set it up? Um he he lives uh he lives in the same town as uh as <clears throat> excuse me, both of his sons and all their family so he's got quite a bit of family around him so they're they're helping him out. That's good to know. That's yes. good to hear. So, like, that's that's a huge, uh, that's a, a lot of uh, peace of mind for for all of us, as he's like one of the few remaining family members from like the like the original group and the kids too. So, so we it it's. Like we're 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 holding on to him as uh, as much as we can and making sure he knows how loved he is. And Good. I mean, not for nothing. This man is this man is as spry as about a sixty year old. So like, the only the only issue he has is with his hearing. Like he he'll say huh quite a bit, but <laughs> <laughs> but listen, ninety five years old. And that's the only issue he has. Shoot. <laughs> I'd be content with that. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd take that. I would That's amazing. That. Yep, mm -hmm. he's, he's doing fantastic. And uh, uh, we're all we're all on the Zoom call showing him love. And he's he's uh, over the moon right now. <laughs> good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Uh, I want to get into heavy stuff again a little later. It's just something a little light. I was going through, Calvin, your, your uh, Facebook page. And I want to know about mom's mac and cheese. <laughs> okay, so uh, the mac and <laughs> the mac and cheese <laughs> recipe that that uh, that goes down 
the the same family line as uh as uh my cousin so that's a that's a family recipe that goes back several generations and so um my mother is usually the one that makes the macaroni and cheese but uh my mom's birthday was two weeks ago and she wanted me to uh uh, make uh, make her some uh, baked macaroni and cheese. So I know the recipe, though I've never made it before up until then. Um, I've helped her out with like prepping everything, but I've seen her do it a million times. So I I ended up doing it myself, put my own spin on it. She she scoop she she took it she took a scoop, took the first bite, looked over to me and was like, "All right." I'm retiring from making the macaroni cheese. This is your job from now on. <laughs> oh my god! It looked amazing. It looked yeah, oh, really it amazing. Delicious. Oh, like is it is it secret how you make it? Um, I don't know if it's a secret how um, how it's made, but the basic ingredients are like well the the big thing to to make it uh, make it bind. Um, you cut the cheese into cubes. And you, when you uh, uh, cook the uh, macaroni, you pour you pour in a combination of whipped egg and milk. That's what binds the cheese and the uh, cheese and the pasta together. Oh, I've never tried baking mac and cheese. Oh shit, I'm gonna have to try that now. Yes, it is amazing. We're all looking for new. We're all looking for new recipes right now. We're all looking, you know. Being in the kitchen, what you're eating dinner is like such a big thing these days. Totally. Yeah. Or it should be. I hope it is. In there too, which would be fun to experiment with. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I experimented with uh, like I normally the recipe calls for extra sharp cheddar, but I put in extra sharp and uh, Kobe. <gasps> Ooh. So those two flavors together made it made it oh beautiful will be kind of calming it down that's right that's right that I sounds like it. delicious <laughs> tomorrow night dinner okay got it yeah i don't have any recipes handed down from from family none not one and i love to cook i love to cook but uh uh but my mom she, she kept cooking. everything secret. <laughs> it was what? <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I love my mom. I love my mom. Oh, but, funny. you know, she just wasn't a very good cook. <laughs> <laughs> like, shit came out burnt? Or, like, the recipe was... I'm just curious in what way. Like, <laughs> All right. She would, for for one thing, make liver that was just fucking rubber. Just oh. goddamn rubber. It was so tough and so difficult. And it would take, like, on liver nights, Silky, our dog, was so happy. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one else was eating it. We were slipping that shit, too. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> the only one happy on liver nights was Silky. Oh my god! To be fair, liver, you have to be very careful with liver because, like, one or two minutes too long, it turns to rubber. <laughs> yeah, this was probably about twenty minutes too long. 
<laughs> and you know, I'm I'm looking at uh I'm looking at making of expanding what we're eating here. Mm-hmm. And and I wanted to make liver, right? Cuz it's incredibly nutritious. It's very good for you and prepared right. It it actually does taste good. Yes. And I was like, Mom, I'm going to make us liver. And she goes, no, I don't want liver. I'm like, that's because we used to make it, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, she hates liver. And you're like, well, why didn't you? <laughs> Your own fault. I know. She's created her own hatred of liver. <laughs> and I was like, well, why did you feed it to us when we were kids? It's good for you. <laughs> like, that's why I want to make it for us. I don't want it. <laughs> Role reversal right there. Ah, <laughs> uh, so funny. I'm I'm 87. I don't have to eat liver. <laughs> I've paid my dues. Mm-hmm. She has a point there, but <laughs> I feel like I should make it anyway. Make it really, really well, you know, and and you know, then she'll she'll like she'll like she'll like she'll like it. Yeah, and maybe if you make it, if she initially doesn't want it, once she sees you eating, she might be more inclined to take a bite and taste it. So mm-hmm. it can't hurt. Or if I cut it into fun shapes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that also works. Or if you hide it in another type of food that she likes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor mom. <laughs> But she does like, you know, like if I make avocado into a face, you know, she loves that. The avocado man. She's like, avocado man. I love avocado man. She talks to him. She's like, hello, avocado man. Aw. That's a creative way to socialize right now. Why not? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, she'll talk to anything, man. She was talking to a fly the other day. (laughs) (laughs) If it keeps you sane and it works. Fuck it. <laughs> Whatever it like, takes. She was going, you're a very little fly, but if you keep eating those crumbs, you're going to get to be a big fly, and I could swat you, but I'm not going to. Oh, <laughs> Your mom is adorable. She's great. Yep, she's great. <laughs> I'm so glad she's doing well. Yes. She's doing okay. She's doing all right. <laughs> My sister Nancy gets nervous about Lucas being around, uh, you know, but I, we we were away from each other for a full three months. She has gotten the COVID test several times, um, but I'm, I'm sorry, he has gotten the test several times, but I will admit that he's not as careful as I am, you know, uh, I, I like, I open doors with, with, a barrier, usually my shirt. I literally don't touch anything. I carry hand sanitizer in case I make a mistake, in case I mistakenly touch things and things like that. And he doesn't do that, any of that stuff. Are you that crazy? Uh, I'm like somewhere in the middle. Um, I've definitely been keeping track of the numbers and the infection rates um, and keeping in touch with medical professionals that I'm lucky enough to be friends with. Um, so I've you know, I've definitely have been leaving the house and taking uh, educated risks, if you will. But yeah, I always have hand sanitizer. My mask is always on if I'm going to be around people in public. Um, so I always take precautions for sure. I always wash my hands as soon as possible whenever I have the chance. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and or I have a little hand sanitizer thing, too. I've you know, I've been taking educated risks here and there for now, just in case in the fall and the winter uh, things change and we have to hunker down again, um, right. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. um, but nothing crazy. I started volunteering at a, uh, a horse stable out in Brooklyn. It's one of the things. So they'll just send me emails if they need help. And that's naturally pretty socially distanced because when you're on a horse, you know, you're far. And everyone wears their masks and stuff. Um, so so little things like that where I can get out and, like, be in nature for a little bit have been, as long as it's going to be safe, relatively safe, as safe as I can make it at least. Right. You know, it's like safe sex and, and, and the AIDS crisis, right? It's You mm-hmm. have to mitigate your risks. We've, we've been through that. Exactly. Yep. 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 Uh... Um, goddamn doomsday preppers are right. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. This is horrible, but I I knew a dude upstate who had like a prepper cabin and like sold it like, I don't know, six months, nine months before all this shit went down. (laughs) And I'm like sitting here thinking, and his girlfriend like didn't want him. She was like, you shouldn't sell, you should keep it. And now I'm sitting here, I don't talk to him anymore, but I'm sitting here like, wow, I I wonder if he's just kicking himself right now. Probably you. not the only one. You know, <laughs> yeah. It could be generations of preppers, you know, and then finally someone was like, you know what? Sell this stuff. Like <laughs> in February. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta live our life. Let's let's sell <laughs> let's sell this and uh go on a trip to Italy. Oh, oh. <laughs> 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 some money for a Italy vacation. <laughs> Man, I love the gallows humor. It helps keep me sane. I, w- I was, there was practically no humor on this show for the past couple of months, as it should be. You know, we, we've been very serious. We've been dealing with very serious issues. We'll continue to deal with serious issues, but I am at a point where I can laugh again a bit, and I can, I can be Dr. Richard Pants. Well, I think it's important if you're able to, to do both because yeah if you're just constantly surrounded by all the craziness that's happening it's going to wear on your on your mental health right so i've been trying to keep a balance as well and tune into the news and look into what's going on and fact check things and then also step away for a while and take breaks but you know it's a lot you are listening to a safe space radio on radio free brooklyn if you uh, if you like what you're hearing, if you if we've gotten you to laugh a little bit, if uh, we've also gotten you to think a little bit, maybe you want to consider giving some money to the station. Uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit, so anything you give to us, you can write that off your taxes. Uh, and the station is not having an easy time right now. We're lost all the revenue from renting out for podcasts. And, uh, and when we were on our drive to five, which was, was uh, trying to raise $25,000 by May, May, and people understandably wanted to be more cautious with their money. They didn't know what's going on. But look, New York... Talking about infection rates, we're at 0.65. I know that most of our listeners are in New York, and you're all over the world. So New York is coming back, and maybe you have a little bit more, and maybe we've helped you get through this. So how about you go to radiofreebrooklyn.org support and, uh, and make a donation? 
go to to good cause. Absolutely. Yes, please donate if you can. So tell me about this uh, horse thing that you're doing. So a few weeks ago, um, I decided I need to do something outdoors uh, for my to save my sanity, and um, was talking to a friend who works for the park services, and we met up at Jamaica Bay Stables out by Coney Island in Brooklyn, um, which I'd never been to. Uh, now, there's a number of stables I know in the city, and I, I did grow up horseback riding on and off since I was a kid, but I never did it in New York City. So I went out there, and it turns out there's a huge nature preserve. It's kind of amazing. Uh, it's kind of a hidden gem as well. Uh, I went out for a trail ride, um, which wasn't too pricey, and again, it's naturally socially distanced. One, once we were all on the horses, we were able to take our masks off and just enjoy it, which was nice. Um, and ride along the ocean and through the trails. It's huge. They've got like 300 acres of preserve. They board and house 110 horses in total. Um, they also have, I found out from my guide, a therapeutic riding program. Because <clears throat> um, I was asking her how she started working there. And as you know, uh, Dr. Dick, uh, I volunteered <laughs> in the past and I really enjoyed doing it, especially when it involves animals. Um, and this involved animals and children. Uh, just specifically children on the spectrum who are dealing with autism, um, as well as other uh, different uh, mental issues. I think there's also a kid uh, who has Down syndrome and some other things. But, um, but yeah, so I went for my orientation uh, after learning about it, filled out my paperwork. I had to get my tetanus shot booster, stuff like that. And I went out, was it last weekend, um, and did the orientation and watched a video. Um, and so now I just wait for them to email me. They do it on the Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, Saturdays is their busiest day and yeah in the future I'll be able to go and volunteer and help out um, and so I'm hoping eventually maybe I'll even able to like help out with other things and and, and ride a little bit on the side or whatever either way it's just nice to uh, be around animals and be working with people as you know like I said before I have a psych degree so it's nice to be able to actually apply that to something so I'm, I'm definitely excited about it good 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 yeah I want to check it out too I like Fun. riding. It's weird city kids that that know how to ride horses. <laughs> right. If you ever want to go, let me know. We should do it. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Calvin, you ride? Um, I've I have in the past. It's it's been like I haven't I haven't been on a horse since I was like in like junior high school. So, well, that is a while. Long overdue. <laughs> yeah, well, then you should come too. We should all do a horseback ride if we can at some point. Shoot, I'd be <laughs> and where did that. you uh, where did you learn to ride, Calvin? Um, I don't know if they're still around, but the but um, in Brooklyn, right around Prospect Park, you had the you had the Black Cowboys that used mm -hmm. to that used to go all around and uh, um offer people rides and I got a chance to do that a couple of times and it was so much fun and I, I wouldn't mind doing that again I remember yeah. learning about those guys they were pretty freaking incredible and talented if I remember correctly you're making me want to look them up again but yeah I think the stable is still at Prospect Park because my friend who knows a lot more about this than I did had mentioned that place as well oh okay I'm gonna have to look in the, into that myself <laughs> Yeah, me too. I'm gonna take a note of that. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> oh, I don't have a. Well, you know the cowboy from the Bronx, um, Angelo. 
bass boy who's kind of in the burlesque performing scene? No, I don't think so. Really? I'm kind of surprised. Um, well, I don't want to screw up his name. Um, well, it's Angelo. Uh, he's a cowboy from the Bronx. He, he's been performing with, like, La Scandal and different, like, burlesque shows, uh, and, like Slipper Room and stuff. He does everything from, like, rope tricks to riding tricks to all sorts of craziness. But he grew up riding in the Bronx at Pelham Bay. Okay. I just learned a lot about that from watching uh, his posts and stuff. So. Gotcha. I learned that uh, at summer camp. I went oh, nice. to, I went to uh, Camp Talcott, which was a, a YMCA camp, and um, they they had, they offered it. You, you had to pay extra for it, and I just I begged my parents, and 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 they did it. So, and I loved it. I loved it. I went to Camp Talcott for a few different years. For a few years, it's a really fun experience. It was know? a sleepaway camp, I guess. Sleepaway camp. Yep. Awesome. Mhm. Mhm. I only got to do that for like a week once when I was in elementary school, I think, and it was fun. Also torturous. Uh, I got a little taste of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I went to to this uh, every year. A bunch of people in the burlesque community would take over this one one camp camp uh, uh, for like a week, maybe a little longer, uh, maybe two weeks. I can't I can't remember. But um, it was the the summer camp that Monkey Boy went to when he was uh, when he was a kid, and he was very attached to it. And I get to this camp, and I can't fucking believe it, man. I can't believe it. They have this beautiful pool. They have air conditioning in the cabins. They have just all this stuff. And, and like, I, my summer camp was not like that at all. We called it Camp Welfare. <laughs> we didn't have shit. The food was terrible. <laughs> Counselors were mean. Oh man! <laughs> but still, it was fucking summer camp. I loved it. It was something different, something something mm-hmm. out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And even even the kids. I mean, we we had this chant, uh, sardines and Franken and beans, and it would yeah. go like this. I can tell by your head you eat that welfare bread, sardines, hey, and pork and beans. Hey, I could tell by your, by your feet you eat that welfare meat, sardines, hey, and pork and beans, hey. And then the big one was always, I can tell by your check, you get that. I can tell by your neck, you get that welfare check. That was one of our chants. Jesus. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's God. one of our camp cheers. Oh my God, that's. <laughs> and I thought that's you know to me that was you know the summer camp experience. Yep. Wow. Hey, mileage <laughs> mileage varies from person to person. <laughs> Did you have a go away summer camp? Either of you? Sleep away. Um, I did in junior high school for. Uh, our senior class trip. Uh, I forget where it was, but it was a, uh, it was a sleepaway camp. Had cabins. Had, 
it was just nature all around had a, a basketball a full a full indoor basketball court that we got to uh play basketball in which was huge for us because the most we had was uh was half court uh at our school so um we all brought our super soakers and, and water balloons and had the biggest water fight that any of us had ever had in our lives and it was fantastic <laughs> We had a fucking volleyball net. The only fancy thing was the horseback riding, and you had to pay extra for that. Yeah, I never did sleep away camp. I did that one week, like I said, in elementary school, which was like, I guess it was kind of like what you said, Calvin, like kind of a class trip, probably fourth, fifth grade, something like that. Um, and then my parents were divorced, so every... Uh, summer, I'd get two weeks with my dad. And this wasn't summer camp, but there used to be a place in upstate New York called Golden Acres uh, where you could go with your kids. And it was like a family summer camp, if you will. There was like a petting zoo and archery and horseback riding and pools. I mean, it was it was a huge outdoor and there was cabins. And that place was amazing. They would do all sorts of things at night. They'd have talent shows and magic shows. And they would even do horse racing. So, And as a kid, you got to participate so they would show old reels from old school horse races and everyone would bet on them kind of like bingo. Uh, you'd have a little board and you'd set up your bets and you'd watch the reels. There's all sorts of interesting creative stuff. And then they hired people from all over the world internationally to come and staff the place. So that was fun, too, because you hear all sorts of languages and accents. And, you know, as a born and bred New Yorker, I love that stuff. So I don't know. I liked it. And before my dad passed away a few years ago, actually, I was thinking of taking them up there again to do it but it, they they closed i think like a year or two before i before i looked them up again unfortunately we had clay <laughs> dirt <laughs> you mean mud right <laughs> probably just mud <laughs> I used to entertain myself. I'd spend some summers in Oklahoma with my grandparents. And I remember sitting outside and spending what feels like hours, but probably probably was like a long time, like taking a rock and covering up an ant hole just so I could watch them work to move it out of the way. Ah, simpler times. My last experience with Camp Talcott was um, I had just gotten out of my horrible experience in North Dakota and um, and they had a CIT program so uh, I did that it didn't pay anything but you also didn't have to pay anything to be there the problem was the CIT program was they was new and they didn't figure out what to do with us we we didn't have any responsibilities we didn't have any place that we had to go at any time it's just we weren't counselors and we weren't campers now you'd think that this would be a good thing just like fucking do whatever the fuck you want but for me when there isn't structure it's just a lot of weed and booze and <laughs> breaking <Yeah>. rules <laughs> and so i got kicked out <laughs> oh. yep didn't get to play with the clay you know, I've often wished pre-pandemic, of course, that that someone that we could somehow set up an adult version of summer camp 
both for adults who either never got that experience as a kid and also just to have like a fun, you know, group experience out in nature. Yeah, well, this is great. That's what uh, what we were doing, you know, at this summer camp every year. And it was it was a great experience. I loved doing it. I loved being I loved seeing what like a, a, a I don't know if you'd call it a normal or a fancy summer camp was like. It was it was nice experience like that. Um, <laughs> it's also totally underscored. It totally it, it blew my mind. I was like, because you think your childhood experiences are the way things are, you know? Yep. Right. And the movie Meatballs, that 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 summer camp looked very similar to Talcott. Meatballs. So, so it was reinforced that ah. this is kind of what summer camp is like. Uh-huh. Do you know Meatballs, Bill Murray? It sounds familiar, but I can't remember if I've seen it. Uh, check it out. I'll have to. It's like in 1979, something like that. Maybe ah, okay. maybe a little later. Uh, and it's a, it's a fun little movie, you know? I do like me some Bill Murray. Who doesn't? <laughs> okay, I do want to talk about this, and we have less than 15 minutes left, and this is just really, really, really pissing me off. Uh, the police have been ignoring, or in some ways uh, supporting, armed white supremacists at least... 497 times since the murder of George Floyd. There have been 64 simple assaults, 38 cars driven into protesters, nine shootings, three dead, 387 instances of intimidation from these white supremacists who are counter-protesting the protesters. And the police not only are not doing anything about it, they are shouting their support at times, high-fiving, that kind of shit. And it's really pissing me off. I wanted to bring those numbers to light, just in case people are thinking that what happened tragically recently was an isolated incident. It is not. It is not. All this happening within the last two months. Yeah. Almost 500. Almost 500 incidents of white supremacists fucking with generally peaceful protesters. Stop it. Police, do your jobs. And yet people... Uh, people scoff about defunding the police. Like, they're not doing anything with the money that they have now. And they're not doing their job. Like, almost 500 instances in two months. Like, honestly, wrap your head around that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's getting to a point where, like, I don't want to hear numbers like that because... Like, my blood boils on a daily basis to begin with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just fr- and I... Go ahead. I know, I was just going to say, it's just, it's frustrating, it's sad, it's disheartening. Like, it makes you wonder if any progress is happening. Yeah. 
Uh, I just, I just really don't know. <laughs> I believe there has been some progress. I have seen some changes. Uh, and I am continuing to I'm continuing to voice my support of the protesters. I absolutely support what you're doing. I am grateful to you for what you're doing. I am sorry that I cannot be on the front lines with you due to caring for a frail 87-year-old. I can't be exposed to groups of people. I can use this format and have used this format since this began to say I support you to encourage people despite this 500 number to encourage people to 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 get out there to get their voices heard to 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 maybe get into trouble but as John Lewis said good trouble necessary trouble change is happening and but it has to happen on a much larger level a much larger level we're talking about centuries of systemic racism centuries of systemic racism creating an uneven playing field in education creating an uneven playing field in voter rights creating an uneven playing field in housing and in business <laughs> people are angry and they're saying there's a lot of things that need to change one of the things one of the biggest things is how policing is done and i agree yeah and i agree and they i need, support i feel like they yeah they need to make huge reforms i mean basically as others have said um and i'm paraphrasing we live in two americas right, right. there's the one that light-skinned and white passing people get to live in <clears throat> where you know things can be brushed off and may not be that big of a deal other than a few isolated incidents and then there's the one that brown and black people have to deal with on the daily and I understand both points of view, or I'm trying to, like I said, you know, in a psychological way, I'm trying to get, you know, people that are isolated from, from diversity and don't see that stuff and get their perspective from the other. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot. And, and again, because of what, you know, the GOP and 45 mainly has been bolstering, these people have now been given the permission to come out of the woodwork and start acting on whatever the fuck wild stuff is running through their heads, again, due to myriad things, YouTube and all these conspiracy. I mean, it's just, there's so much. Like, it's serious psychological warfare, and it's just, it's fucking infuriating. But, but yeah, um, I, I've, I have protested myself. Um, I've tried to be safe about it. Thankfully, after seeing that uh, everyone was wearing masks and stuff, I've gone to a few myself and definitely tried to do what I can. More so, I've been trying to email uh, my representatives, call my representatives, um, text that 50409 number, uh, which is a really easy way to add your name to petitions to save the USPS and other issues. Um, and Tell me about I think this. I, I, don't, I don't know about this. So, yeah, if you text 50409, uh, for example, you can text capital USPS to 50409. They'll respond with instructions on whether you want to sign a petition or, um, and there's other things, if you Google it, you can probably find out, they, there's other issues handled under that same phone number, 50409. It's, it's ResistBot. There you go, That's thank you. That's what it is, yes. 
Exactly. You, so you know about this, Calvin? Um, I've I've heard of, I had heard about it. I didn't really know too much about it. I just looked up five hundred four hundred nine. It's uh, it's ResistBot. It's it's a, a resource to help you uh, find and uh, contact your representatives of on various causes like the uh, just like I said the uh, Postal Service. Um, let's see, you got the uh, Keep Families Together Act. So um, children aren't separated from their parents at the border. And actually, there's a whole website. It's resist.bot. If you want to learn about ResistBot, it's, it's got everything you want to learn about ResistBot and, and ways you can, uh, ways you can um, uh, use it. Easiest thing to do is text the word resist to 50409, and it'll give you all different instructions. So this is this is amazing, this is absolutely fantastic. Raina, thank you for bringing that up. I, you just, uh, I think you just enlightened both of us here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for looking at the details, Calvin. Teamwork makes the dream work. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, between protesting, but trying to Wait, find. I, I want to do that right now. Things. I want to yeah. do that right now. So it's five zero four zero nine. Four zero nine. And just text resist, and in like a minute or two max, you'll get a response. And All then right. we, can, we can let the listeners know step-by-step step how it works. But that's been a good resource. Um, I joined a couple other things online, you know, like moveon.org, change.org, and they'll send, I mean, it's a lot of emails. But if you read through them, a lot of times they'll also have a copy-paste where you can read whatever you're sending to your representative, copy and paste it into an email and just fill in the names, which helps. And also just phone calls. I've been calling actual offices. Um, and another friend has been, what do you call it? Uh, it's not polling. When you call people in other states to get them to vote in the election. I can't think of the word for it. I know but, what you're uh, talking about. I forget what it's called. Yeah, so did I. But <laughs> I don't know. It'll come to us, I guess. But she's been, right now I think she's calling uh, Florida, residents in Florida, to talk about um, voting and where they're you know, their opinions and, and trying to promote voting for Biden-Harris as uh, versus, you know, 45 and stuff like that. So I've also been thinking of, of donating some of my time to doing that because that's part of that thing is all this is going on. Um, and it's just so frustrating because we're watching it. But like, what the hell are we supposed to fucking do? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I've been trying to, yeah, just figure out any way I can help make this change possible, hopefully. Uh, Calvin, we have like five minutes left. Why don't we? Why don't you tell our list, our listeners about your show? Oh, okay. So uh, my show is called Lush Vibes Radio. I, it comes on every Tuesday evenings from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Uh, here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I play two hours of not necessarily chill, but mostly chill music. It's it's basically basically like the right mood for that night or anytime you need to either sleep or study or just get away from life and everything around it. <laughs> I play a lot of R&B, a lot of soul, past and present, jazz, electronic music, it's every everything in between. Lush Vibes Radio right here on Radio Free Brooklyn Tuesdays at 11. And uh I yesterday I did an interview with Elon Danziger, so uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, I'll be a, a guest on Lost and Rewound. Um, I, 
I got to uh, play a couple of play a bunch of uh, songs I I wrote between high school and college, and uh, uh, presented that to them as a trip down memory lane. So that was a really fun interview, and that will be in the next two weeks, I believe. Uh, that come uh, lost new round is uh, Thursdays at three p.m. So I'll let you know. Very nice. Very nice. What's that? Um, I was asking Brain if she had anything entertainment-wise coming up. Do I? Uh, I, I don't even know. I'm not sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I gotcha. I don't know. I understand. Uh, I understand. Not the moment. <laughs> I, I am trying to get my home studio set up so I can have microphones like you guys and do more voiceover auditions because that's mainly what's mm -hmm. been going on. Um, so yeah, right now my, my acting career is still on pause, unfortunately, but we'll yep. see. <laughs> well, you, you look, you look great. You've been, I can tell you've been taking care of yourself and actors. We kind of, you know, got to kind of do that. It's I was thinking a good it was motivation. about actors. We have like two minutes left. John Cazale, uh, he, he was Fredo in, um, the Godfather. I'm thinking about this guy, how amazing he was. He did five films in seven years. Every single one was nominated as a Best Picture for the Academy Awards. There's no actor who every movie he's been in has been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture ever. I don't think it'll ever happen again. What a shame that his uh, career and life was cut short uh, by... Uh, being a chain smoker, uh, it was lung cancer that got him. But also, what, 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 what? You know, a lot of us don't don't think about the 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 Fredos in the film in terms of their acting prowess. But my God, this kid, this guy, everything he did. I'm going to be watching Dog Day Afternoon this evening, uh, in which that was another Al Pacino uh, team up. Who he said, Al Pacino said. I wish he could be, he, he was my partner. He was my acting partner. So anyway, uh, we got to go. But uh, thank you both for being my radio partners tonight. I really appreciate it. You were great. You, you gave me some new information and some laughter. And I, I bless you both so much. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Raina. Thank you, Dr. Thank Pants. you anytime. This was fun. A little music to take us out. With pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Dick and Dr. Cervix. <coughs> oh.